0: Oh, mm-hmm.
1: Hello, and welcome to the If We Knew Then podcast. I'm Stephen Sox.
0: And I'm Lori Sox.
1: And today we're visited by our good friend, Karen Mazen Miller.
0: These are some of my favorite conversations, because she's one of my favorite people. It's through these conversations on this journey that I personally have found so much insight and growth and really been able to pave a way of presence in my life and allowing those gifts of Liam and this community to flourish in my life. We're always so thrilled to speak with her. Today we're going to talk about patience and trust and so many words that can sometimes be easy to say but harder to act upon. These little concepts that just really transform every moment. Our friend Mazen is a gift and we are so happy to be able to share that gift with you.
1: So welcome, Mazen. Good afternoon, Mazen.
2: My goodness, can you tell it's mercury retrograde?
0: <laughs> what happened? I
2: I logged on several times and it wouldn't let me in the meeting. It it said it, that the host had another meeting in progress.
1: Well, that's funny because I then closed down our meeting and I opened it up again and it worked. There you go. Well, we hope you've been well. Good to see you.
2: I have been well. Sometimes I feel like I'm the only, you know, person who's managed to stay well. But I, uh, you know, masks help, of course. And I've been very thoroughgoing about all of my, um, you know, vaccines and boosters and all of this and that and the other. And I, I think I might be a little... Compulsive about it, but um, yeah, I think now I'm going on three years without any sniffles. I shouldn't say that.
1: That's good.
0: Yeah, that's really good. It's a, it was it's funny because when you do that, when you you're so protected, and then we do get afraid. Like, what happens when we go out? It's been nice to be protected. I enjoy, you know, wearing the mask and going into other places and having that extra layer of, I guess, to be, being empowered to like participate in staying well? Um, I mean, it used to just seem quite routine to have, you know, two or three colds a
2: year and maybe you could get the flu and then, yeah. you know, so forth and so on. And especially when you have school age kids. But um, those places and those, you know, contemporary cultures where mask wearing is routine, I think these people know something that we didn't know.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Um, But nonetheless, um, you know, I travel, I've been traveling and I'll be traveling some more and uh, you do see how out of mind it is for many people to actually um, protect themselves. So I I become like the only old woman in New York City wearing a mask and uh, easily identified by that or on a plane, Um, but they work. So
0: that just happened when I went into a grocery store and I think I've finally gotten to a place where I'm okay. Like everybody gets to choose and this is just my choice and I'm okay.
2: Yeah. You don't need an opinion about it and we don't need to make it, make it a debate. But I will say, Lori, that that is really a sign of spiritual advancement that you can be as you are and be okay with it. You see? that you don't feel like you have to either conform, or you're not self conscious about standing out. And um, there's real freedom in that. And you, there's no need to judge others. You simply, you know, let yourself kind of be invisible. That's, that's not a negative. There's real freedom in that. So yeah, good for you.
0: Yeah, there, is, there was a it's funny that you say about freedom or letting yourself be invisible. Because that I I did feel recently I like I just feel like I have a shift of just I'm okay just being where I am you know and and I think a lot of that when I think about this journey with Liam a lot of that is just so empowering to just get to a place where I'm not concerned about how people view my family or judgments or thoughts or misconceptions or misperceptions, I've just gotten to a point where I'm just like, here we are. And I'm not, I used to really go out into the world with, you know, my antennas up and I've talked about, you know, we have a bubble, which a bubble is still good, but it's not there to keep anybody out or to validate um, my value or my son's value. It's just, I've just finally gotten to a place that I think maybe I'm free from the The concern, the thought, like I I almost forget about the preoccupation. Of being
1: judged possibly?
0: Yeah, of course. The judgments, the, you know, all that other stuff. Like when I'd walk into a grocery store of how people would look, what people would think, you know, the comments that would come my way, uh, just very highly aware. And then just building a, a wall so I didn't have to experience it because it could be very hurtful you know, it just, it still was very raw. And the words, I let them have more of a value than, than they have. They only have the value I give them.
1: So by not giving them that value, you can kind of bring those walls down. Is that what you're saying?
0: Yeah. And I'm, but, nice. I, but the thing is, is that it's not even like, I'm not going like, I'm bringing the wall down. I'm just. You know what? There is no wall. And
2: when you forget that there's a wall, there's definitely no wall that changes in you. And it does point to something that's pretty significant, which is that we create the world we live in. And sometimes that sounds like, um, oh wow, that's great. I'm going to manifest all these magnificent things for myself and I'm going to have, you know, think about getting rich. And I'm, but the truth is that that fear that you have is your fear and the hurt is your hurt and you're anticipating the hurt. And out of that, that's comes from you. And then you project it outward so that you feel We all do as if we live in intimate territory and that we have to be on guard because people are mean and people are terrible and so forth and so on. But what's empowering is that you realize the change in you, in other words, by forgetting that step that creates the need for a defense and the need for protection. That's all in your head. You've created it and projected it out. That is the beginning of fearlessness and strength and maybe then what you can find out you know you kind of sometimes are shocked people are okay they're nice (laughs) they can be but yeah the changes in you when we drop the need to and this gets to this topic that i want to talk about just the constant need that we are supposed to prevent or preempt or you know, avoid or escape something negative, you know, especially for our ch- children. When we stop doing that, what emerges in its place is trust. And that trust is universal, trust in our children, trust in other people and in ourselves.
0: That's a good point that you make because I think that what had happened was that fight for the, with the school system it just changed me in ways that I didn't like. I was just telling Stephen, I just, I looked at myself in the, mirror. I just not, not standing looking at myself, but I caught a glimpse and I was like, oh, i look so mad. You know, my red, I'm just like ready.
2: And what you were was afraid. Yeah. Fear is the source of anger and it's the source of greed, you know, and by greed, I don't just mean that you want to be filthy rich or famous. It means to make sure that you get what you do, you know, to, to get, to get, to get things happen on their own. Good things happen on their own. And we might say, you know, mis unfortunate things happen on their own, but the feeling that we have to manufacture any part of that, you know, whether it's an offense or a defense is false and that causes harm that causes harm. So. That gets me back to this feeling that I've had lately, which is to remember, say, in the case of children, (laughs) or I can even look at my own life, everything that that my daughter has ever accomplished, she's done on her own. I mean, and here I thought I had something to do with it. I thought that I was either making it, giving her an opportunity or giving her an advantage or, you know, giving her advice or, you know teaching an important lesson or something like this. But all life unfolds by itself. And that goes for everything, everything in our lives and everything in our children's lives. One night, I just realized, why am I so engaged? And why am I involving myself in unnecessary concern and heartache when everything happens by itself? And if I can just be patient and let things unfold. Do you remember when it was 110 degrees? I mean, forever and ever and ever and ever here. And then that first cool morning, just reminding you that things change. It's all impermanent. So that's what I'm trying to practice. And then when we can be patient, Lori, the people in our lives are given freedom.
0: Yeah. I think I just had that same experience with Sophia, where I was just like, why? She's going to do it her way. And I mean, I think as parents, we're there and we offer support and love. We show up, like you said. But with both of them, I mean, I have the freedom now. And perhaps I always had the freedom, but it was a little bit harder to find or dig into or choose the freedom. But where Liam is now, I have... Uh, you know, some freedom of just n- knowing that he's in a place that um, welcomes him and wants him there and sees him and his value. Not that that matters, but it feels good. And we we had a we had a positive and a negative. And the negative, I just said because um, somebody gave me options. Well, you can do this, this, and this. And I said, no, I'm good. I've been down that road and. I'm just going to keep focused on this good thing I have here, these people who, you know, see my son and, and want him there because why have him, why push for him to be someplace that they don't see his value or they don't want him. And just in doing that, and you know, like, we've had this conversation, I'm, I'm like, always like, I have to write the letter, I have to say the thing, I have to do the do. And just in doing that, it like freed up. And just on Friday, someone said, I just want you to know, you know, when I heard that, to me, it sounded like you were kind of done with the negative And you just didn't want to do it. And I was like, yeah, and he goes, but I want you to know, it was wrong, what was done. And I took care of that. That moment, somebody else stepped up. I, I, There'd be no
1: chance of that if you had. There just was no, and, and and yeah. and it
0: was. But it also not only just someone stepping up and telling and writing the letter for me or saying the say for me. Like in a bigger essence, it was just so lovely to. It was like a return to humanity, like a return to that place where, gosh, it, you don't just have. It doesn't have to be a fight and it's so hard for me to say that because I get conflicted with like advocacy and showing up and you know you're so all of that stuff that goes in there but that that feeling that we feel as parents of gotta stay on it gotta get on it can't you know and
1: if he hadn't stepped up it would have been but I was okay okay, right because I had
0: decided that I'm just you know what I know that that bad stuff that challenge exists I've seen it And I have fought it and I've hit the wall and I've done all of that stuff where I've learned. But I have all these, this beauty and this, I'm just going to be here for a while is how it felt. I'm just going to be here. I'm going to make this choice.
2: That is um, reinforcing. When you have an experience where you drop the, or when you take your foot off the pedal, you know, there's a feeling often that we just have to push, push, push. Accelerate, accelerate, you know, get there, get there, get there. And, and that's really living it as though everything and everyone in every situation is oppositional, but you know, it's not. So I was thinking in particular, since you now have, you know, a teenager, you know, how I wish, how I wish I really could have been more patient and more trusting and, um, you know, you at the risk of sounding like I'm not very Zen. Uh, I was always hesitant to think that my daughter could do anything by herself or on her own without somehow my uh, review. I mean, honestly, let me take a look at that, I would say, or um, and, and all of that is undermining. I remember when, when my daughter was in preschool, and this was a lovely little preschool, which was all held, all, all, the classrooms were basically outdoors and the kids were outside all of the time. this is this dreamy kind of an environment that you would wish for your your kids. And yet, even when the kids were two and a half and three years old, probably half the parents in my daughter's class had their three-year-olds in early literacy training. (laughs) And that sounds crazy. However, with all of these metrics and these measurements and these standards and these milestones, We always think in those terms, you know. When will they be able to do this? Or when will this happen? Or when will they be proficient or this? Or when will they be ready for that? And um, I remember very clearly the director of the school one time telling us parents, no one will ever ask when your child learned to read. Or no one will ever. Has anybody ever asked you when you learned to walk? or, you know, when you learned to write, or when you learned this, or when you learned that. I mean, it's just, we live in kind of an upside down state in terms of how life happens and how human beings evolve. I don't know that that has made me any more patient and trusting, but I'm trying. I had a great teacher one time who said, if we were truly patient, we would never have any problems that just sounds impossible except when you realize who labels something a problem who calls something a problem and where does that labeling occur you know where do you, when and where do you decide that how things are is a problem and Anything that I thought was a problem six months ago is, believe me, it's not a problem now. (laughs) Anything that I thought was a problem last year is not a problem now. So it just shows again and again that if we could trust what we don't know and really not empower, it's not about empowering ourselves, empowering others and particularly our children to be who they are and go where they go, do what they do, That somehow, in a mysterious and beneficial way, they will be given the experiences they need to become exactly who they are. (laughs) You're shaking your head because it's so true, isn't it?
1: I know it, but I have to tell you, it's a fear, a big fear that patience could equal being stagnant, not doing And so, there's that fear of, well, if I don't do this, I'm going to look back and say, I had a chance to do that and didn't do it. You know, like the early literacy class. Everyone's putting them in, in there. If I don't do it, my kid's going to be behind in three years. I'm going to look back and go, what a jerk I was for not doing that.
2: Well, no, you might, unless you have the opportunity to really study the pattern of thought thinking and how absurd it is. And... To, to see that the source of it is your own fear. You know, speaking to that, when at this very same preschool, when it was time for the four year olds, when they became five, and then their parents were scurrying about trying to find where they were gonna to go to kindergarten. And it didn't just mean the neighborhood school, it meant some kind of fancy pants kind of kindergarten where they were gonna be on, you know, just that straight road to Stanford or something like that. And I remember there was extreme paranoia an extreme stress over this while the kids were four or maybe, you know, just turned five. And uh, my daughter had always already told me at, f- at four, she told me, mommy, I wanna stay here. And I thought, I mean, I could have overridden her, <laughs> but at this point I was beginning to think that maybe she knew more than I did, you know? So I didn't plow that lane. I mean, I did not go looking for kindergartens. And I was approached by a parent in the parking lot, which is where everything important happens, <laughs> who said, what are you going to do? I mean, if you don't do this, she'll be left behind. And I remember thinking, where are all the children who were left behind? I mean, what street corner are they on? I mean, where are these kids who somehow were, you know, their parents were just too lazy, you know, <laughs> to to get, you know, to get on it and to get ahead of the game and this. But early on, I started to sense that there was some insanity involved in this. But nonetheless, it persists. And I have to tell you that I am the guilty party. I have a very small family, but I'm the one who worries the most. I worry the most. And just recently now, you know, it sounds ridiculous that I'm comparing what happened to my daughter when she was two, three and four. My daughter's now 23. And just the other day, I went, Oh, 23. Oh my God. She has all the time in the world. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) What am I worried about? I mean, and I have to now tell her, Honey, you don't have to work this hard. (laughs) (laughs) You know, go out, have fun, Um, you know, take time off, because she reminds me a little too much of myself at that age when I felt like. The only lane to be in was the fast lane that I had to work, 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 and get ahead, ahead, ahead. The truth is that I had that life. And then 15 years later, you know, at at 35, 36, 37, I clocked out. You know, I was absolutely burned out because I was in such, um, I was so afraid that I would be left behind. Yeah, and there's no such thing. Where is the behind? and where is the ahead? There's no such thing.
0: I love this conversation because when you said, you know, no one's ever going to ask you when your child learned to read or when they learned to walk or when they did these things uh, for this community, we get asked that all the time. And when they send me that paperwork, I'm like, I, I can't remember. I mean, we're expected to like remember you know, these like things. Like I should like, have logged it. Oh, I mean, should I I have written th- I I remember wrote it. I down m- somewhere. I remember the moment because we, you know, had a happy dance, and we did. And the truth of the matter is. We don't have to push into that fast lane and and either we're made to think or from the process we begin to think that we do.
1: Well, when we're asked that question as parents, because it's it's asked. We just got asked and we just got asked asked on a paper piece of paper. Sixth grade for some reason. For something uh, (laughs) I forget what. When you don't have the date. You just feel like you feel thing. like you're just a loser. You're like
0: I should, <laughs> do, I, do, I should know. I the- should. I make oh, up
1: something that like, was like a February twenty seventh.
2: Like <laughs> you know, you know why I think that is. You know why I think that is because we have systems in our culture, and it's not just it's it's everywhere. We have systems and metrics established by academics that say that these things are kind of the input, so that we can predict the output. You know and. And, and that's unfortunate. I mean, I, frankly, for myself, I mean, you can say the same thing about, you know, your, your high school transcript, yeah. you know, which is then used as the basis for, or at least it used to be more, I think in a way it's loosening up or what your, what your SAT score or was, or this or that or the other, or what your GPA was always, or, um, well, I can remember even in the case of my neurotypical daughter in middle school, I had stopped going to the monthly awards ceremonies or the monthly, you know, kind of assemblies. And I assumed that it was because, I mean, I stopped getting invitations and I assumed it was because um, they weren't handing out prizes or awards to any longer in middle school. I, I mean, I, to me, I thought, you know, well, that's just cruel, you know, to be giving out these trophies, you know, in middle school, <laughs> which is a hard enough time, you know, you just got through it. And it was like the last day of school. And I think we were anticipating going to middle school graduation. And I saw in the invitation that they were gonna give out awards. And uh, I said, well, Georgia, maybe you'll get an award. She looked at me. She said, mom, they don't give awards to people like me. Oh. And I said, well, how do you know? She said, because they give awards every month and they never given one
1: to me. Oh, man.
2: But you can see that 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 process that is you know i'm sure the template that's in place in a lot of school districts and a lot of grades where it's all about achievement 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 you know competition 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 and what does that produce you know the kids who are in that any any of those categories they're going to stay in that category and the kids who aren't are not but that's just the culture that we live in and we have to look at that and say that's delusional and for the most part, it's harmful. You know, it, it is um, harmful to self-esteem, confidence. But nonetheless, we live in the middle of delusion. And uh, one way or the other, it's going to trip you up. And, you know, delusion is just something that's not true. But nonetheless, it's a deeply held belief. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. And so we live in a delusional world. And that these institutions, even though there may be people who mean well, are based on delusional concepts and principles and therefore they create more delusion and you then can say well you can just see through it you can just see through it and when you see through it what you see is your own children and then you can examine am i okay can i trust can i allow can i be patient and I understand your point, Stephen. It sounds as though it might be disengagement, but it's not. Patience is a virtue, you see. And in a way, it arises in an environment where, it's, where you apply your own patience is where places where you don't know, you don't know what's going to happen, you don't know how long it's going to take, but it's, you don't apply patience where you see something um, egregious occurring or where you see actual harm being inflicted. No, you, that doesn't require patience. Patience is something else entirely. And as both of your children grow up, you'll see, they don't need much from you. They really don't, um, a lot of what you think is necessary is just a kind of a self-serving intervention, you know, an intrusion, <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, so, that's when they need that, you know, full, wholehearted patience that you believe in them, you see, and you don't even have to say it. It's just because of what you're not saying that they know that you're okay with them, that you're not disappointed in them, that you're not worried about them.
1: That's right, patience is a virtue, it doesn't equal irresponsibility or laziness or not pushing to be better.
0: But that's all judgment. Like we're judging, we're judging ourselves. Like when, when you just said about patience, you can still be in the egregious environment that you're fighting. And you don't, like you said, you don't have to be patient for that stuff. You, you, right, but I can still be patient with my child. Like, what would have happened if I would have went into the IEPs and in that very hostile environment of people telling me what my son won't do and who my son is and all of these like things that come at you that they wouldn't dare throw it in a a different parent that wasn't in that situation. What if I could have just said with patience, like, we'll see. That is the greatest
2: wisdom there is. Let's just see how it goes. So we'll see. Yeah, let's see how it turns out, you know, and also then there's something else. Not that you need to accuse people of this, but essentially every conversation is just opinion, 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 opinion. Here's my opinion, and I'm going to present it to you as though it's a fact. And opinion, opinion. Every argument is opinion. Every fight is a a fight about opinions. And doctors are in the opinion business, counselors are in the opinion business, you know. And I'm not sure that they really have an opinion, except they are they expect they should have an opinion or a forecast or a prediction or a warning or something like that. But opinions are worthless. There's no need to have an opinion about anything. Most of the time. So yes, we'll see. We'll see. Now, and I know you know this, the, the problem solved itself,
0: didn't it? I, well, I think about when you're saying that, we'll see. Like, I just, I think it would have blown minds if I would have said, we'll see. And that's an opinion. Because it is. They're all, it's all, it's all presented as such facts. Just as when we entered into that school, we sat across and they were like, Liam's never going to learn to read. And he should never be uh, held accountable to the same level of his peers. Like that, mom. That's that's crazy. That, no, we don't. That's just crazy, mom. And those were opinions, but they do feel like facts. And if we can take that gift of like that is your opinion,
1: let Liam or, or our children show.
2: Yes, they will show. Absolutely.
1: I mean, there are scientific facts, right? <laughs> but when it comes to someone's potential. That's completely opinion or or something, you know, as there's so many pieces to the puzzle that it's not a defined, we're not talking about scientific things.
2: It's not predictable. I mean, you can make a prediction, however.
1: Well, as a fantasy football player, I (laughs) I can tell you. All the predictions you can hear for the whole week and then the game comes and it's all out the window. Yes. I mean, it could be the the potentials there for someone to catch a touchdown or something, but it has to happen. And there's a lot of factors that go into that. Just like I think of the fear of if I don't put my child in this in this class at a, a preschool, what's they're gonna be left behind? So it's all opinions. And if you ha- if you have patience and and let it play out, it's not lazy it's not irresponsible it's allowing life to be
0: well what's been really uh, the challenges in the tra- in the tra- in this transition is getting to a place of trust you know because of the past like getting to a place of trust getting to like you said like patience where i can go okay well in my mind there was a timeline this has to happen before the school year and this happens and then and this and then i need to do that and and because I could feel, not only felt like a fit, but like I'd listened to what people would say to me and just really picked up on the vocabulary and the word choices. And I was like, okay, so I can just breathe for a second. And it it's not easy. And it's not, it wasn't necessarily comfortable to go, you know, cause there's that point, like you said, that you might go, oh my gosh, I, sh- I know I should have done that. But, but to just have that moment of, First of all, it it just feels better on me to go, okay, what is the worst that could happen? I could end up and be like, oh, it's just like I thought it was that it was before. So, but I know what to do in that situation. Like we know what to do. We've been there. And it was really hard to just say, I'm going to be here. I'm going to trust. I'm going to trust that my son who's worked so hard right? There, there were a few times where I misunderstood and then he got in trouble. And, but that was me. That had nothing to do with what he had actually done. That had n- nothing to do with where he was, but I was just so concerned or still coming from this fearful place.
2: Lori, I want to tell you that make sure that you don't discount how much influence your feelings have on what you experience. I don't think there is a place of trust. As soon as you drop the fear, that's trust. You don't know anymore. You know, you're, you're not a, an expert ever. But as soon as you drop the cloud of fear, the bright light <laughs> shines. And you feel safe in the moment right now and you trust and that trust is not trust in a certain sequence or a certain chain of events or that you're going to it's going to turn out the way you want. It's just trust you see, and that means I, I say trusting life now does do really crummy things happen to good people sure. We see that all the time, but you're talking about can really good things happen that we don't expect. Yes, that can happen, too. And so uh, uh, we wear we wear kind of I've told you this before, like a bib or, you know, it's kind of like something that we hang over our neck that has a vow, the vow that we take as Buddhist practitioners. We say it aloud every day when we're doing retreat. I'll have to repeat it by memory. Vast is the robe of liberation. We're talking about freedom. Vast is this place of liberation. It's a formless field of benefaction. Formless meaning it's not fixed. Nothing here is hard. It changes all the time. You see, everything comes and emerges in this place a field of benefaction you see we have to in our hearts know that life enhances life life sustains life life has life as its primordial objective you know that life is good that's what we have to have faith in and as you know you know sometimes there's well in my place here if i if i look at my paradise here, my patch of paradise. I have bears now, you know, and then if I don't have living bears, I have their scat left behind. So yes, there's a lot of stuff you don't want to step in, in this field of benefaction. But life grows here. Life grows around you. You see, so you mean you don't have faith. You can't trust that things will improve, or that life will be supported, or that your children will be encouraged, that they will have the teachers they need, and they'll be, you know, challenged in the way they need to be challenged. And you mean you don't have faith or trust that they know they're loved? That's what you need to make sure, that they know they're loved For who they are, not what they do or what they may become, but that they are infinitely and totally automatically loved just the way they are. Okay.
1: When you said life is good, we used to have a mug that said life is good on it. And life is all we have. So at the very, very minimum of what we're experiencing in life, the very where we think is a low point, it's still amazingly great. It's what we have. I mean, I think of, and I'm not going to sports again, but this guy is Steve Gleason is an ex-Saints player who has ALS, and he's been dealing with ALS for a decade. I follow him on, on Twitter, and he has wonderful things to say. Experiencing life in a way that most of us would hope n- not to experience life. But he's understanding each moment that he's able to type through his eyes to send off a tweet on Twitter is a glorious moment of life that has been extended to him again for another minute and second. And he tries so hard in his I mean, I, I think he's just given his own experience. But in my mind, he's trying to tell me and tell everyone, man, every second is just this, this gift that we can do anything. And even the low points, even the points where like, wow, he had to go to an emergency room. He was like, yeah, but I met new people. And I experienced these people that wanted to help me. At the minimum, we have life and life is good.
2: Yeah. You're talking about a fellow who's actually screaming it you know? And it's so interesting. He's screaming and shouting and preaching with what? A blink of an eye? Yeah, you see? Those who know, do that. Those who know, do that.
0: That's it. Life is bigger. It's so much more important just to be here and to love each other and, um, Yeah, you said trust, I I think back to a conversation we had a few times ago, and you you had talked about trust, then about just, if you're fearing, you're not trusting. And 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 it comes to me a lot when I get into that point where I get consumed with the stuff because you can, you can, you just lose focus over allowing things to unfold over allowing life to be good. And the fact that every moment, like this moment that we're together, just seeing your face, I'm, you know, I'm so excited that I got to see your face this morning. It's what matters. And at the heart of, you know, this journey as parents of a child with Down syndrome, so many things were thrown onto our path that we hadn't thought of or counted on or understood or expected uh, so it was a whole shifter um, and it does take away from the actual beauty of life and I love talking to you because there's no difference between your experience with your daughter and our experience with our daughter and our son and I think that's what I needed to know and and understand it's not within the parameters of maybe where someone is trying to fit us where' we can begin to think that that's the
2: limitations. Yeah. The limitations. Yeah.
0: You have to accept the limitations and live within the
2: limitations and don't expect beyond the limitations. And you know, what are limitations? They're opinions. Yeah. yeah. Somebody decides that this is the realm of the possibility. Well, we live in the realm of infinite possibilities.
0: I, I love the, I love the expansive, like just, just picturing that. And when I think of that, and I think about a field, and I think about, but that's life. We forget that. I've forgotten that at times. It's expansive and beautiful. You know, it doesn't mean that it's without a challenge. But you had you had started to say earlier that our life is, we we create our life, and and I believe like I I believe that from. How I feel about something or what I think about something or what I'm going to focus on in a certain moment. That definitely, I've, there was a couple of years where I forgot. <laughs> I forgot that I had that power.
1: It goes back to what you said, Lori, earlier about choosing to place your value in certain things. What you're placing your value in. It reminds me of, I don't even know his name, but it was a comedian we saw just the other day. And one of the things, through all the laughs that he said was. His last name is Papa. Oh, Papa. Just Live. Every day, just live. Like, it's pretty simple. And putting your value in the things that help you just live will be the happiest. That way we'll we'll live.
2: Yeah, because what you're talking about, the alternative, is not necessarily, well, it's not a physical death or mortality. It is a dead place. And that's where we are focusing all of our awareness on what isn't here. You know what isn't happening our fears are about things that might happen or could happen or won't happen or you see that's actually a a dead space and in Zen we consider it death. It's, It's a shame that someone would die, having never lived, you see, to really live in the present and this present moment, which is really all there is. That's all there is. Why can't that be important? Instead, we we place all of our importance on things that aren't present. And in order to prevent them from being present or to, you know, escape them if they happen or whatever. And you see, you can't do that. There's no way to do it. And that's why we we just get so head heavy and uh, deep into despair, because we have disempowered. We've actually died to life. When we spend all of our time in what isn't real. And uh, fear is never about what's present. Uh, I I think I might have mentioned this, and I don't know if there were studies done, who cares? But you know, in, in times of extreme stress, and maybe this is like your uber athletes, Stephen, you know, in times of extreme stress, there is no fear. There's no room for fear because the concentrated mind is so narrowly you know focused on what's happening right in front of you you know and it also goes for circumstances on a battlefield not that I've ever been on that kind of a battlefield but I'm afraid sometimes I've turned my life into a battlefield where all I can see is what's right here and in that place you know soldiers on a battlefield will be very very you know they'll be intensely stressed but if you stop them and say can you handle this they'll say yes i can handle this right now you know you can always handle things as they are it's impossible to handle things that haven't yet happened or that won't happen and that's where all the difficulty arises thinking that right now i have to formulate a strategy a plan a scenario you know, I need to do something now so that it produces this particular positive outcome that I that I want to have. You know, that's that's how we become sick, frankly. That's what foreshortens life. We live in shadow. So let's be patient. Let's be patient. If we were truly patient, we would never have any problems. It sounds like it's an impossibility. After all, life is full of difficulties. But if we were truly patient, we would say, we'll see. Let's see how this goes. I'm not so sure you're right about that. You know, Um, this also fits in with our concept of time, which is that we don't have any. (laughs) I don't have any time. (laughs) I can't be patient. I can't let it go. You know, I need to know right now. But that's also a fallacy.
0: We have all the time there is. I love the piece that you can't say, we'll see. I mean, I guess you could say it, and be angry, we'll see. <laughs> Maybe when you say it, like, we'll see, and um, I'm not so sure about that. There's, I don't know, it just even feels better than just accepting something that isn't real. Because that's what we're accepting when we buy into those other things that are about the future and just the feel of saying, we'll see just the feeling of being open to that, just to, like you said, it's patience. And maybe it doesn't feel like the word is patience, but it is definitely patience because it's letting go and just, and actually seeing.
2: Yeah. And it is an opening. Like you said, it's an opening. Yeah. And it's not aggressive.
0: Yeah. And it is where life, what you were talking about, like life grows here and it's expansive. There's, there's a, In my mind, I just see like this beautiful like field uh, with sun shining on it. And that's what it feels. And wouldn't that feel better in our bodies, you know, across the board in every situation. But when we are, you know, advocating for our child in any form, in any way, no matter what child, doesn't it just feel better to know that We're going to see. We're just going to see. Thank you for that opinion. (laughs) Yeah. I have no idea what the response to thank you for that opinion will see. I don't know what that would have brought, but I just, I know that in me it would have felt so much better because you have to believe it too. Like you really have to, that's trust. That's patience. That's believing in possibility. That's what we always say that we do. We believe in the possibility for our child. But to really do it, it actually doesn't feel like a fight. It feels really good.
2: Yeah, it's not a fight. A Contemporary Zen teacher said that he defined Zen, or you know, the practice that I engage in, as possibilities, possibilities, possibilities. You know, and in other words, nobody knows anything about anything. First off, that's a, and and then how things will go. I mean, we've all just lived, and we're still living in times in which I'm sorry. I'm not interested in your opinion poll about what people are concerned about. I'm not interested in that. You see, anything can happen. Nothing that we're experiencing was predictable, you know? So if I can disengage from, let me disengage from that and then live here. You see, live here. Let me live here. Now I'm going to tell you this story in closing, okay? Because I lately have taken great comfort and reassurance in us. It's one of the stories of Buddha, you know, and I'm not evangelizing, but you know, we think that wise people live differently or that, you know, spiritual leaders walk on water or whatever. And so there is a passage in one of Buddha's famous teachings called the Diamond Sutra, which, I should have read but probably haven't read, I might have tried to read, but I put it aside, you know, I'm not that serious uh, a student. But uh, lately, my teacher has been repeating this story. So that we would all bring our expectations and self criticism and our judgment down to earth. And I mean, the real earth, the earth that has mud and rocks, you know, and bears you know trouble in it and so this is the beginning of a sutra our teaching and it describes a day in the life of buddha okay so buddha in the morning puts on his patchwork robe in order to go out into the city he leaves the temple and he carries his bowls his begging bowls because he begs for every meal he eats one meal a day trusting you see that in this world in which he lives, he will be fed. You can talk about an act of trust. And whatever he gets, he eats. So he goes out into the city every morning, you see, with his bulls, and knocks on the doors. And I, I like to tell myself he didn't just go, you know, to Beverly Hills, you know, he didn't just go to Brentwood, you know. He went all around LA County, wherever his feet took him sometimes to impoverished places, you know, sometimes to wealthy places, just to fill his bowl, take the offering that comes to him, you see, that's like whatever happens, I'll deal with. So then he goes back to the temple and he eats his meal. He eats the way we eat, although of course he's just eating. And after that, he washes his bowl, you know, cares for these things, you know, doesn't make a mess, it's not lazy, or careless with things, washes his bowl and puts his bowl where it goes. Then he takes off his robe and he folds it, and we have a way that we fold robes. Looks like it's really complicated, you know, but nonetheless, there's a certain way you fold the robe and he folds the robe, just like you would when you take off your top or your shoes. Where do you put your shoes, you see? How do you care for your shoes? He folds the robe and he puts it where the robe goes, cares for his things and his clothing. Then he washes his feet because he's been walking in the dust. He wants to take care of his body, cares for his body, doesn't not care for his body. No, this is a noble act to wash your feet. So he washes his feet so he can go back into the temple and he takes his seat, just like you and I have taken. We've taken our seats. We're sitting here, you see, with our eyes open adjusting our body to feel comfortable and then he takes care of whatever appears in front of him. That's it. And of course things appear in front of you. Sometimes you open the vegetable bin and say, oh, I need broccoli and you go to get broccoli. Or sometimes the phone rings and you say, oh, I want to, need to talk to this person and you respond. Sometimes Sophia, or Liam, will call from the other room, and you'll go in. You see, something always appears in your field of view that you need to attend to, maybe act upon, maybe change, or maybe let it go. That's the life of a Buddha. Do you see your life in that life? Can't you see the similarities? in that simple, awake, aware, self-responsible, totally engaged life. Trusting that you have what you need. I like that story because it tells me I don't have to make this complicated. I don't have to do more. I don't have to try harder. Let me just live in trust for life itself. Let me just be.
0: We love you so much. As
2: hard as that is.
0: <laughs> That's the easy part.
2: Let everything be easy, Lori. Let everything be easy.
0: That's the rem- the reminder uh, for me. And I appreciate your patience with me because I know in, in conversations it's been... I know it doesn't have to be a work, but sometimes I, I forget. It's a, it's a journey. but I forget sometimes that it's a choice and sometimes I choose the other way and I appreciate your patience and guidance uh, when we talk. Uh, I love the story and I, I just love that what matters is that we're here and that we're just going to take care of whatever is at hand and not carry all those used to be's with us to just be in the moment, even though it might look similar, it's still a new moment. No matter what, it might be the same people, but it's still a new moment. It might be new people, and it's a new moment, and to treat it as such, but with the reverence that it is, it's our life, and it's so precious, and then all that other stuff that we talk about so much, IEPs, and what ifs, and opinions, but we'll see.
2: They're not real. How we deal with the present moment determines the next. That's it, that's it. If I could only do this. So I want you to know that my, the conversations that we have and even the, thing, the thoughts that arise before our conversations are always healing for me. They're guiding me, you know. They're directing and correcting me. So, you know, that's what friendship is for. So thank you.
0: Love you. All right, I love you.